1: What's up, everybody? My name's Forrest. I'm here with no my, wrong line. You're Ilya. Oh fuck. One more. What's up, guys? My name is Ilya. I'm here with Forest. Uh, Wait, God. I want to be Ilya. Oh fuck. Okay. Hey guys,
0: my name's Ilya. Today we're here with Forrest Galante
1: and Joe.
0: Joe, how are you doing
1: today? I'm doing okay. Wait, I'm Forrest. I thought you were Joe. Oh. Okay. Anyways, here's Forest Galante. Everybody, he's a wild animal expert. He's a <laughs> he's a wildlife biologist. <laughs> Okay, this is why I don't do the intro for our guests, because I have no fucking idea how to introduce them.
0: Today our guest is Forrest Galante. He's a wildlife biologist. He's the star and host of the TV show Extinct or Alive on Animal Planet. He's been attacked by hippos. He's been tagged by a cobra. And today he's being attacked by Joe. And he (laughs) is a spearfishing world champion holding records. He gave us tuna. He let Ilya into the house. And we hear what he thought.
1: (laughs) And you know what that means.
0: (laughs) And he also tried jellyfish for breakfast. So it's a pretty good one. Enjoy.
1: You want to go first?
0: Yeah. (laughs) You have no idea how excited I was for this.
2: Good. I'm stoked, dude. Thanks for coming all the way up. Uh, Would you be able to... We just need to put this closer.
0: Yeah, I was so excited just because I know you have a show on Animal Planet. You've done so much with animals in the past, and I've always loved animals. So this is a dream come true for me.
1: Joe actually wants to be an uh, animal videographer. Right? Yeah. Yeah? That was always my plan. Why didn't you plan. tell me that? We'll, we'll just employ you. We're going to Africa <laughs> next week. That's what's so great. Um,
0: have you always wanted to be on Animal Planet?
2: No. The short answer is no. I never planned on having anything to do with TV, period. I was a wildlife biologist, like a, an active wildlife biologist working in the field doing really crummy work <laughs> because I was like a tech starting at the bottom. So I was like counting ants and, uh, you know, I did some cool stuff. I did some stuff with rattlesnakes and worked with foxes and stuff, but I just wanted to work with rare animals. I had zero interest in TV, especially where I grew up. I grew up in Africa. Like nobody where I'm from has ever even been on TV, you know, let alone like, uh, you know, considered having their own show or something like that. But yeah, never even crossed my mind. Just thought I was going to work with wildlife and then, Kind of got a lucky break, saw the opportunity with regards to how many people I could reach and influence on a television platform, and it just it just all took off. <laughs> Dang. Was
0: your first show on TV extinct or alive?
2: No. So, okay. So, I'll give you the full spiel if you're interested. Very interested. Very all right. right. <laughs> so, I was a lowly wildlife biologist, right? I mean, I'd, I'd done some really cool stuff. I'd done some big animal work, some tagging, uh, some tranquilizing, some pretty awesome stuff. But mostly, I was making $14 an hour as a biology field tech, right? And what a tech is, it's like it's like it's like when you start working at a restaurant, you're the busboy. So the tech is like it's even a step before like the uh the the busboy like i mean you start at the bottom and you're doing all the grunt work you know like hey we have these super cool contracts where we do habitat restoration where we're gonna like save the california channel islands it's like awesome how badass does that sound we're gonna fly around in a helicopter to do all this dope shit but hey you're the field tech so you're gonna actually just pick the invasive weeds while we do all the cool shit right and it's like ah oh, bummer so it's been like 12 hours a day in the boiling hot sun in a hazmat suit with chemical spraying invasive weeds that kind of shit and i i worked my way up pretty quick from doing that to like you know doing pretty pretty awesome jobs but i had you know i just knew that i wanted to work with animals and try and save the world and do conservation and so i uh one day i came home plopped down on the couch and my girlfriend goes, look at this stupid show. And it's a show on TV called Naked and Afraid.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, weren't you on that? <laughs> oh, just
2: you wait. I'll feed you, baby bird. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a stupid-ass show called Naked and Afraid, right? And I'm, I watch, like, 15 minutes of it, and the show ends, and the credits come up. And my wife's like, you should do that. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I've seen you do all that shit, like, way better than those people who are, like, crying and whinging about it. And you just do it for fun. And I was like, yeah, it's true. And and so I sent this like super cocky email to the production company. Never even filled out a casting application. Just this like super arrogant email where I was like, hey, the people on your show kind of suck. Like they're doing everything wrong. I can do it better, basically. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but that was more or less what it said. 10 days later, I was on a plane to Panama and go to Panama. I do this naked and afraid. And while I'm there, it's just, I'm a biologist. So I'm used to being out in the field. I'm used to shitty conditions and it's so fucking easy. And I don't understand why everybody's crying and whinging. I'm just like, there's tons of food here if you know what you're looking at. Like, as a biologist, I could walk through the jungle and be like, hey, that's yucca. There's jungle potatoes right there if you dig them up. And get, like, 30 pounds of jungle potatoes. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, look at the moon phase. There's a low tide coming tonight at 1 a.m. You go out at low tide and eat 400 oysters and, like, sit there going, I'm so full. I can't eat another oyster. <laughs> and so the producers are like, God damn it, dude, like you suck like you're so happy and like you're smiling all the time like you're never failing like you're just like goofing off the whole time like this is a big joke i'm like this is a big joke and the producers are like they're gonna everybody's gonna hate you like they're gonna think you're terrible like they want to see like turmoil and struggle and like complaining like don't you hate your partner don't you think this is hard i'm like no my partner's fine no (laughs) this isn't hard what are you talking about and uh and anyway the Get home, go back to work, back to the Channel Islands, making 14 bucks an hour as a tech. And, uh, you know, I got asked to move up a lot in that space. But as you move up in the the sciences, that means you work in an office. I didn't want to work in the office. I want to work outside. And so I just kept being a tech. And six months, a year later, whatever it was, the show came out. Huge hit. Naked Afraid takes off. And not only was Naked Afraid a hit... I was a hit because in a show that had done two or three seasons at that point everybody was whinging and crying and stubbing their toe and bitching about it and here's this like chubby kid with a smile ear to ear jumping around <laughs> eating oysters and, uh, and uh, it was like a huge hit so just like everybody that does Naked and Afraid, I got my, like, five seconds of fame. It's not five minutes, you know? It's like 12 different local reporters contact you, and that's it. Right. And so these, like, 12 different reporters contact me, and they're like, hey, tell us about your time on no- Naked and Afraid for, like, the Santa Barbara Independent, you know, like some magazine that, like, nine people read. And I was like, mm, no thanks. And they're like, what do you mean, no thanks? I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. That was just a vacation. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, what do you want to talk about? I was like, do you guys want to know about, like, The fact that we now have hammerheads at the California Channel Islands because it's an El Nino year or when I caught the largest lobster in the state of California or when I got bitten by a snake that put me in a coma or, you know, some of these fucking things. And most of them were just like, nah, click. And like four different reporters of the, say, dozen that contacted me were like, sure, tell us about that. I guess we'll run that story and tie it all together. Those stories went viral millions and millions of views picked up by like the daily mail the new york times the press like crazy kid catches 12 pound lobster you know man chased out of the water by a hammerhead like ridiculous like over the top titles i feel
0: like i've seen the lobster story yeah it was big i feel
1: like i've seen i've heard about the hammerheads
0: yeah
2: they're big <laughs> yeah. big <laughs> viral yeah. stories man and um anyway long story short like I had all these people start contacting me and like being like, hey, we want to pitch a TV show with you. We want to pitch a TV show with you. And I looked at all these terrible, terrible TV shows and read them as a scientist and went, this isn't science. Like, this is bullshit. Like, I get it. It has to be entertaining, but this is nonsense. So instead of doing any of those shows, I just created my own and then went out and pitched or Alive with a partner who, in fairness, he had the idea, not me, but uh, we we developed it together and went and pitched it. and, And after like a year of knocking on doors, we basically got an okay at Animal Planet. And that wow. was that was like seven years ago. <laughs> and that, and you have two seasons of that? <laughs> two seasons of that, four Shark Week specials, a show on History Channel, a show on Vice Network, a new show coming up to Discovery. Dang. Um, yeah, a whole lot of different shows in different fields. All, not in different fields, all in wildlife and adventure, but in different platforms.
0: When you are pitching the show for Extinct or Alive, are you talking about all the animals that you want to try and discover and find and... Like, how does that go about?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty funny. Like, have you guys ever seen The Lost City of Z or read that book? Oh, yeah. I read the
0: book. Yeah. Enough. I've literally only read two books in my life, and that's one. It's great, right?
2: <laughs> so, Lost City of Z is a story of the British explorer Percy Fitzpatrick going yeah. to look for the city of El Dorado, right? And there's a scene in the movie or, or in the book where he gets up in front of this room of guys and there's, you know, it's old England, they're all in their stuffy smoking jackets with their, with their, you know, leather caps, and he's like, I'm going to find the lost city of Z, and everybody in the room's like, you're crazy,
0: you're a lunatic,
2: (laughs) and so, like, when I first went and pitched, I'm gonna go find extinct animals, it was exactly like that, it's like a room full of people being like, you're fucking insane, and I was like, oh, geez, thanks, and uh, anyway, long story short, like, I somehow managed to talk a couple, myself and my two business partners managed to talk a couple executives at Animal Planet into thinking we could actually find some. And, so, you know, my passion just for like, I'm sure it's there. Like, you just got to do this. (laughs) Nobody's tried that. Like, nobody's gone this far into the jungle, blah, 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 um, came through. And they're like, all right, give it a shot. And, you know, at that time, I think Finding Bigfoot was their biggest show. Finding Bigfoot's never found a fucking Bigfoot. So they're like, yeah, what's another Finding Nothing show? And then sure enough, we started finding these things. And they were like, holy shit, <laughs> like a finding show where they find stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: What are the animals that you had found? The first
2: one I found was right at the end of our first season after like two weeks in zanzibar totally unexpectedly we caught a picture of a leopard on trail camera so we found a leopard that hadn't been seen in 30 years oh my
1: god that's so funny i walked into joe's house the other day yeah and i think this was a complete coincidence you were watching that scene and i was like oh yeah shit. and like, i'm like, like
2: screaming shit. on the bus yeah. Yeah. dude it's such a moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was very very shocking like very shocking you set
0: out on these expeditions and you only give it is it like two weeks you plan to be there
2: yeah, typically around two weeks.
0: That's
1: crazy. I know. It's a very short window for trying to find an extinct animal, right?
2: Well, like, the word extinct doesn't mean, like, hiding in a bush around the corner or hard to find, right? Extinct means, like, eradicated from the universe. So right. it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's... it's In the beginning, it was kind of just like, let's go, let's go tell a good story and do a good adventure and showcase, like, the cool environment and what's left. And then when we started finding him it was like, holy shit, like, we have to spend two weeks, like you ask my guys like the work on our crew like we're like 17 18 hours a day straight every day for two weeks and then come home and just pass out for like five days of sleeping to catch up it's it's tough but yeah it's a short window and we just grind through it
1: well what was the other animal
2: well, that was the... I, we're, we're up to eight now, so...
1: Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, was telling me you have eight extinct animals. Yeah, eight, wow. eight
2: animals that were lost to science that we've uncovered. So, yeah, the leopard, and we found um, the Fernandina Island tortoise, which was, like, the big, big one, because that's, like... We found a tortoise that had only one... It was basically as mythical as Bigfoot, because only one other one had ever been found 114 years before. Wow. And this is in the Galapagos, which is, like, the the crown jewel of conservation so they're like you're an idiot you're never gonna find it and then we found it in four days and um that was like on the cover of like or inside cover of like forbes and time and that was a huge find wow. yeah it was like the new poster child conservation which was awesome raised a bunch of money and then yeah the list just goes on we found a caiman we found proof of a, a extinct primate called the miller's grizzled langur. found three four different species of shark um the wolf oh the yeah well that was i didn't count that because that was just a thermal signature but that's I was, what i wanted to ask yeah you. do no. you
0: count that in your own books no
2: i don't i don't unless it can be scientifically like proven and with a photo upon. or video
0: actual capture
2: yeah then it's it's you know totally did we get like something that looked like a very large canine slash a wolf on a thermal image 100 percent. do i think it was a wolf zero question do i count it as a As a find, no, because there's no... We haven't, like, rewritten the books. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. What other animals do you think that you feel that are not extinct but are deemed as extinct right now?
2: I have a list of 1,600 animals that I think have been wrongfully declared extinct.
1: Out of those, what are the most known that you think Um, would really surprise people?
2: The biggest one that everybody talks about, that, like, there's even this guy recently who, unfortunately, it just seems like he's just like it was a pretty big like uh you know boy cried wolf but he's like i got proof of a thylacine i got proof of a thylacine and anyway that's the animal that i think is it's it that would change the world the most so the thylacine the tasmanian tiger was a large marsupial carnivore Oh
1: yeah yeah they had like these really long snouts
2: exactly right. stripes big wide mouth looks um, like a tiger dog like a tiger dog kangaroo wolf thing like i mean super duper cool and the thing is they're they're probably extinct but you know there's a lot so every single basically every single biological expedition that ever goes to papua new guinea pops up with like four new species and thylacine roamed in papua new guinea as far as we know up to at least four thousand years ago so you know given how unexplored it is and how big it is and how much uh Unique virgin habitat there is there. I think there's a pretty good chance that the thylacine's still up there, and that would just that would just rock the world. (laughs) Dang! And
1: that's that uh, species did not go extinct too long ago, right? It was like in the 70s.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. So it's like uh, not 70s? Long ago. No, wait,
1: that's not right. The, the 30s. I'm sorry. There's I'm videos sorry. on YouTube. 70s, still, 30s, 30s. I'm still sorry. not not too long ago. Yeah, there yeah. was
2: there was um a recent thing that came out, a recent publication that came out that said thylacine were likely here until the 70s. And um, but regardless, the last known thylacine. Died in the Hobart Zoo in Tasmania in the early 30s. It was an animal named Benjamin, and and there's footage of it. There's actual film of that animal kind of pacing back and forth, grainy black and white footage.
1: Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, It'd be fucking <laughs> really cool to find one of those. Yeah,
2: it would be. But yeah, I mean, but that's like that's like the golden goose, you know. I think I think there's others. Like, oh man, there's a small species of duck in India called the pink-headed duck that I think is probably still extant. Um, there are numerous lizard species. There's a there's a, a stingray species in, in the Gambia that I think is definitely still around. Like, there's, there's a lot. The thing is, when you declare something extinct, it's typically a group of guys sitting around, just like we are, except probably a lot more credible than we are, <laughs> um, that, you know, like, they look at some papers, they look at some research, they talk to people in country, and they're like, who's seen it? When has it been published? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, nobody? <laughs> extinct label, you know? And so it's like that's cool and all but once you give something that label like all funding and all caring and conservation efforts just dry up and while the IUCN the governing body that that gives everything the the labels is a fantastic organization and I'm not trying to disparage them in any way just like everything people make mistakes right and and those mistakes could cost the existence of a species so all we're trying to do is check right (laughs) yeah
1: I have two follow-up questions then first how many total species are there and in, in on earth
2: oh millions i mean we 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 find new species all the time species are going extinct at a rate of two thousand per year that was my next question yeah is, is so that's true that's pretty crazy. how many species are there on earth i'd have to google that i think it's like it's got to be might even be in the billions that's a good question i'm gonna google it wow 8.7 million species according to google wow I can name about eight point six of them, but no <laughs> kidding.
1: You
0: mentioned earlier that you got bit by a venomous snake and you were in a coma.
2: Sort of. I got I got tagged by a snake and passed out from it. I wasn't really in a coma and woke up not where I fell asleep. Basically.
0: Dang. What snake? Uh,
2: it was when I was a kid. It was a snake called a night adder, um, which I was playing with. You know, totally self inflicted, like an idiot, and playing uh, with. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I got bitten. and was like, uh-oh, this isn't good. Tore, tore, I was on, on our farm in Zimbabwe where I grew up. Jumped on my motor my little motorcycle. Uh, circled the bite on my arm because I had my little notepad and pen like a dork like I always do. And circled the bite on my arm and wrote the name of the animal down. Started racing back as fast as I could to the house to get my mom. And uh, literally, I just kind of remember my, my vision tunneling. And then I passed out, and apparently I passed out right by, like, the compound where our workers lived, uh-huh. and they saw me just eat shit on the motorcycle, like, roll over, and they thought I'd, like, hurt myself in the motorcycle, but the truth was I'd just fallen asleep, like, from the from the venom, and my mom, they ran me up to my mom, my mom took me to the hospital, and they saw where I'd circled and what I'd written. <laughs> I think they just gave me fluids. I don't even think it was an anti-venom thing. I was just so little that it was, you know, I was, like, 8 years old or 10 years Wait, old. Wait, that's,
1: like, really quick thinking you know, to, to be able to circle where the bite is, write down what type of snake it is. That's really smart. Yeah. You know? it's just I, I'd, I'd be like, what the fuck do I do? You know, I yeah. have no idea what bit me. <laughs> I know where I got bit, you know, but
2: yeah, no, I, I don't know what made me do it, but I just thought it was the right thing to do. And yeah, it all worked out. I woke up with a bad headache like 24 hours later and that was kind of it. Wow. <laughs> Could that have killed you? Oh yeah, for
0: sure. So yeah. what? He just didn't give you that much? Venom?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a snake that would kill an adult man, typically, you know, but as a young kid, it was enough venom that, you know, it's, it could
0: kind of go either way, Jeez.
2: but yeah, I was fine. I got treated.
0: <laughs> uh, have you ever had any other close encounters with other animals, like bears or tigers? or? Yeah,
2: one or two. <laughs> yeah? What was it? <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, that's from a shark bite. Uh, <laughs> I've been in two plane crashes. I've been mauled by a lion, stung by a stingray. Oh, my God. Uh, jelly, man of war jellyfish. Did you a, get peed on? Uh, I peed on myself a couple times, probably. <laughs>
0: um
2: no, yeah, I've had I've had a lot. A lot of occupational hazard. <laughs> Jeez. Were they most
0: of them on camera?
2: No. A few of them. This shark bite was on camera. That was my second shark bite. Shark Week twenty eighteen? Uh no, that was for no, for my extinctor live show, actually. Um Yeah, I, I've had a lot. I've had a lot of run ins. Stuff with crocs, very close calls with crocodiles, stuff with hippos. Yeah, I mean you know, but it's not the animal's fault. It's yeah. my fault. Like, I'm the one going in their habitat and environment, you know, to do stupid shit. So, it's <laughs> it's occupational hazard.
0: <laughs> Dang. What, what was the scariest one?
2: Scariest? Probably anything to do with hippos, because there's just no control in those situations. Like, sharks... Like every time a shark's tried to eat me, I had a shark try and eat me last week while I was out filming a shark week show. Same. Um, (laughs) It's just like, that's, you know, like you kind of know what to do and like, you know, your body language and how to react or whatever, you can push them off. You can't decide what to do in the case of a hippo. Like they're in control. And so I've had two times, one where a hippo came out of the water. It was like wallowing in this small pan, which is like a season, like a vernal pool and uh, came over this hill and we were right on the game trail and the hippo came charging right at us and I pushed my girlfriend behind a termite mound and I dove out the way as it came. Its mouth was open. I felt its breath on me. It was so close. So that was pretty close. yeah. That's crazy. And then I had another time where a hippo flipped over my canoe at like top, top speed and that was pretty close too. (laughs) So both those times were probably the scariest. I just just fucking hate... I I love hippos. I have mad respect for them but they're just so scary. People think they're like cute fantasia like pink water pigs. They're like terrible death machine, but are really scary. <laughs> wow.
1: I've heard that not every, even if a, a snake is poisonous, I've heard that not every snake bite, uh, I've heard that not every snake injects the venom in you when it bites you. Is that true?
2: Yeah, well, you can get something called a dry bite, which is where a, a snake bites you without releasing venom. I mean, it's it's not really a conscious decision by the snake. It's more like how much venom do they have stored? Did they just eat something that they used to use its venom? You know, was it such a rapid bite that it didn't really inject? It was more just like a quick, quick bite and just got the the tip in. I mean, there's quite a lot of variables that go into it, but yeah, there are instances where you can get a dry bite from a venomous snake. And there are instances where, you know, you can get bitten by a mildly venomous snake and have a terrible allergic reaction and really? die so you just you just don't know
1: <laughs> what, what what what's the like percentage i guess between venomous bite or uh just a strike with no venom oh is dry bites one? are not common oh, i not common. i
2: don't know what the actual percentage is somebody's probably going to listen to this and be like you're full of shit but i would guess it's probably like 15 20% of dry bite or dry bite the rest oh, wow. would be toxic bites yeah damn maybe less so, i mean it's not a common thing right like if you if you got a tool you're going to use it, right? As an animal. If you're if you're biting, you're biting cuz you're feeling threatened or defensive. You're not going to you're not going to hold back if you think you're fighting for your life. So, dry bites aren't super common. Do you milk snakes? I have. It's not something I do co- regularly. I used to do um rattlesnake venom collection. So, we'd go out into the field and round up tons of rattlesnakes and, you know, you'd put the little little uh, have the jar with the the cover over it and you'd get them to bite it and wow. that'd be that. <laughs>
1: going back to uh, when you were in panama yeah and you said that you obviously hunted for your own food i don't know where but somewhere i read that you were a, a, a spearfishing champion
2: yeah there's one of my world records is right up there on the wall next to that tail um i've got six of them now so yeah i well. I, I used to um so there's it's just like anything right it's like in there's there's any any individual sport there's a bunch of different leagues so i um I like free dive spear fishing with a primitive pole spear, which is basically a stick with a rubber band on the back of it. It's, I guess I'd most most likely equate it to like bow hunting, but it's like bow hunting with a spear, like a throw spear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very primitive style of hunting. Anyway, because it's so primitive, it's pretty hard to do. It's hard to get a big fish. Like, you know, most people get like a two pound fish. Um, and I've got some very large fish on the pole spear. So in my younger years, I, I racked up like six world records doing that. And, uh, yeah, I don't, really, I don't really hunt big fish
0: very much anymore. I still spearfish a lot, but mostly. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game, but guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs on Arena. Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying. And with Arena Club slab packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent. With a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. It's the Joe guarantee. Just for protein now.
1: What's that scene out of, uh, what the fuck is that movie called? Titanoboa? No, 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 no no uh with sharknado no 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 with, with the guy gets oh my god cast I away. oh deep blue sea cast away yes got you. yes he read my mind Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> 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 um it's like that scene where he's where he throws a spear into yep. the water right yep wow. the fish sticks
2: up i mean it's like similar to that except i do the free dive version so i'm in the water with a mask and snorkel and fins and then stabbing fish basically
1: Wow! Yeah,
2: it's hard to do. <laughs> that's crazy. fun. Crazy.
1: <laughs> what's the biggest fish that you, that you've speared? Like how many? What's the fish and how many pounds? I guess or what's? Uh,
2: length? I've shot my biggest fish to date was a hundred and sixty five pin pound elephant tuna. Wow! Yeah. Big Damn! Guy. See that big blue tail up there? that's yeah. The tail off the fish.
1: Holy shit! Yeah. Man. <laughs> that's a big ass fish yeah drag 165 me, pounds you said uh-huh
2: yeah drag me around for about an hour 45 before i landed
1: it wait <laughs> you could you spear it and then you, get yeah, you gotta hang around? on yeah you gotta hang on <laughs> you gotta you hang- the fish yeah what if, what if it takes you deep down
2: they do <laughs> so on that you have like a float system so you got floats on the surface and then you got like a, a cord running to the spear so you can let go and fight it on the line and stuff um but yeah no it's it's quite a to-do <laughs>
1: Holy shit! Wait, so do you have um, do you have scuba diving gear or is it just no snoring? free
2: dive? Just holding your breath. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't do this. Uh, some people spearfish on scuba. It's I I think it's cheating.
1: Right, <laughs> right. Oh wow, that's good. Do you um do you scuba dive too? Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. yeah. yeah, yeah. We do. I've a dive master, so I actually, you know, when I was still trying to figure out what I was gonna do with my life, I I got my captain's license, and my dive master, and so I go out on rich people's yachts basically and teach them to scuba dive and that was that was my job for a few years
1: yeah i i, I scuba dived um i got my license in the dominican republic nice it was terrible though because not because of scuba diving but because i get seasick oh yeah really fucking easy and the waves were massive and so like i was, it was i don't know 100 meters down or uh-huh. i
2: doubt you're 100 meters down but well, maybe 100 feet I don't 100 feet know. maybe Probably 100, 100 meters feet. 300 feet yeah that's that's a one-way trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: and yeah, it was fucking crazy. I was, I felt so sick at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, like, that sucks. Oh did God. you
2: puke into your regulator?
1: Um, I had to tell my instructor that I have to go all the way up. Oh, yeah. And, and puke, yeah. Yep, that's brutal. That fucking brutal, dude. Oh,
2: man, you would not like the shoot we just did. We just spent 10 days... We rented a, a pretty big boat, 115 foot boat, and went to the Revilla Hijeros Islands, which took me about three weeks to learn how to say. <laughs> and uh, it's this group of four tiny volcanic islands, like 300 miles offshore from Mexico. And we just spent uh, we just spent ten days out there doing a Shark Week show last week. Just got back uh, the day I, the day I texted you, Joe.
0: Oh yeah. wow, is that coming out this this Shark Week? Yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah.
2: In August, we're in post on that now. But it was that was all scuba diving, a lot of deep water diving.
1: What's the deepest you've gone?
2: Uh, I've gone deeper on free dive than I have on
1: scuba. Wow. Um, how, your ears don't like fucking kill you. In, like, no,
2: you learn how to clear your ears. So I, I've done a free dive on a sled to 200. Holy shit. Um, so you shit. just go straight down to 200 feet and then basically straight back up. What about up. your lungs? They get really small under all that pressure, everything compresses. Yeah.
1: Don't you have to, like, breathe out that deep underwater? Or- no.
2: So so with scuba diving, you're putting air into your lungs, right? So you're expanding them. So if you hold your breath at 200 feet with a breath full of air from a scuba tank and go up, as that air expands, your lungs will explode. But in free diving, you take your breath of air at the surface, which right. is your neutral, your neutral point. Uh-huh. Then you go... Down and your lungs compress with the air, and as you come back up, it only it expands, expands back to uh, neutral gotcha. so it doesn't overexpand and blow out your lungs.
1: Oh, so, okay. I never understood how free divers do it. I was like, How the fuck are they 200 feet down? And yeah, their lungs everything compresses,
2: yeah. you get shorter, everything your whole, whole body compresses, and you get smaller under that pressure. And then as you come back, everything gets bigger. So, how it's long, a very weird feeling.
1: How long can you hold your breath under water? static
2: meaning like face down in a pool not right. kicking around a little over five minutes wow so, yeah. <laughs> but i trained for it for years right it's like not to compare myself to someone like this but it's like asking arnold schwarzenegger how much can he curl right, right. it's like well yeah of course he can curl that much because all he does in the gym you know six hours a day is curl and for a lot of years i would train at free diving a lot so my lungs are you know it's like a muscle they're they're used to it
1: wow that's interesting how long can you hold your breath? I think 25 seconds. No, I
0: guarantee, I
2: guarantee you, you guys could do a three minute breath hold if someone taught you how. All
0: right, three, two, one, go. <gasps> <laughs> how many countries have you been to in total? Last
2: time I counted, which was a couple years ago, it was in the high 60s.
0: Has there ever been any food that you've passed on that you just couldn't stomach? <laughs>
2: There's been plenty I couldn't stomach. There's never been any I haven't tried. Really? Um, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I love trying new cuisine everywhere I go. Oh my god, dude! I've had some. I've had. Oh, I don't know how graphic you want this podcast. Please, yet, oh,
1: go ahead, man. Oh, dude! I'll I mean, this.
2: I've eaten some weird, like jellyfish salad in Taiwan, and like some really gross stuff. But it's never that stuff that, like, it's super unappealing, right? Like, if you if you're wake up, like, imagine being one of us, like a guy from the United States, and you go down to breakfast and you get a cup of like disgusting tarry coffee and a bowl of jellyfish for for breakfast like that's 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 breakfast on one of our shoots in taiwan and you just like this bowl of goop that tastes like the ocean snot do they boil it i don't know how it's cooked to be quite honest it's awful wow but like that stuff although it's hard to stomach you eat it and i've never had a problem with whereas like the last time i was in madagascar um we had pretty normal food by by you know it was like meat and chicken and fish like normal food as far as the pallet goes. And then something ran through our crew where we were literally, I'm not going to name names, but of our six person crew, four of them shit the bed. <laughs> and wow. I myself was like, "Ah, you're not going to get me down. I'm too tough for this. And halfway through a 12 mile hike, I literally lay down on the trail in the fetal position with my pants around my ankles <laughs> and came out both ends in 120 degree heat, basically oh just God. laying there crying in a pile. <laughs> like, everybody got hit super bad. And so you just never know, man. You just eat it. Try not to ask questions. Like we've eaten rat on shoots. I mean, you name it. It's been, it's been bad. <laughs> it's fun though. This
1: is kind of off topic, but you know that scene from Shrek where they're eating rat? No, the very first Shrek. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Is he roasting it on yes. the spit? I like, do that remember that. That fucking looks
1: good. I'm <laughs> just saying, was it was it good or no?
2: So we're in Myanmar, and uh, oh, you're gonna say Miami? <laughs> 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 Probably juicier rats yeah. in Miami, but we're we're in Myanmar, and uh, we're on like day four of our of our shoot, and there's no refrigeration. Like we're just living in in this campsite in the middle of the swamp, and somehow we're getting meat every day and nobody's asked any questions. Now, fish would make sense. You're in a swamp, right? No, but we're getting red meat. So day like three comes by, and we're all like sitting where, I think we're around a laptop looking at footage of crocodiles or something that we've shot, and my fixer comes by, and his name's Somo, and he goes, Mr. Forrest, Mr. Forrest, and he's a super soft-spoken Myanmar guy, and I'm like, yes, Somo. He's like, you guys want more rat or enough rat? <laughs> and, and my crew is like, what? <laughs> and I was like, excuse me, Somo? He's like, Oh, we have no more rat. I can go kill more rat. I was like, <laughs> "Somo, next time just don't ask. Just keep feeding us and don't ask."
1: <laughs> oh wow! So like the portions must have been pretty big, right? Like for- it was
2: like fried noodles with like uh, little bits I of gotcha, ground gotcha, meat gotcha. in it <laughs> and stuff. And you know, it, it wasn't like <laughs> it was good. a rat on a stick. So we had just been. You know, just completely <laughs> obliviously eating this red meat and the noodles, thinking it was like steak. I it mean, I guess it's not, it's
1: not that bad if you can't tell, right? That's like... what I'm saying. And
2: look, dude, I'd rather eat I'd rather eat swamp rat from Myanmar than fucking New York City rat any day of the week. Totally, yeah, <laughs> uh, totally, yeah, I get that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, no, we have a lot of fun. We get to go to such cool places, and you just, you know, everyone's different. You never know. I mean, I, I rolled over a, uh, you know, those like razor. Uh, not like a razor scooter but like the atvs those big burly ones i rolled one of those over on on my buddy's camera like two weeks ago on our shark week shoot and uh crashed that and destroyed the scooter and everybody thought it was going to be super bad and everybody popped out of it and was like right, i'm good are you good yeah let's keep going like, yeah <laughs> abandoned sh- abandoned the scooter and just like kept on with the shoot i mean it's some funny shit that happens man it's it's fun
0: <laughs> what was the premise for the shark week stuff
2: I'm not really allowed to talk about it, unfortunately, because Discovery owns everything, including my soul. But um, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, like, I'm always looking for anomalies and rare things, and this is a pretty cool adventure to look for a big shark that the world... um, had misidentified we'll just say that Mm -hmm. yeah wow
0: yeah and that's gonna be a one hour special
2: yeah i've got two of them this year coming out one from alaska that we filmed in june of last year and then this one that we just wrapped up in mexico a few days ago
1: oh Oh, i know what it is megalodon found it (laughs) (laughs) oh what do you think about that you think there's uh megalodons No, no definitely
2: not no no i mean the ocean's big you know we just discovered a new species of whale like I don't mean we as in my crew, but like the uh, scientists just discovered a new species of whale like eight weeks ago.
0: right? You know? Alive or? Alive. Like, yeah, oh, wow. yeah.
2: A big, a big whale cruising around the ocean, you know, and it's taken us until now to find it. So are there giant animals in the ocean that are yet to be discovered or described? Zero question. You know, my grandfather discovered a coelacanth 666 million years after we thought it had gone extinct. Um, oh, yeah. How do you find that? in a fish market on a table and he was just he wasn't even a scientist or anything he was just like there's something up about that fish i've never seen that fish before um, in south africa he was in the camores actually yeah but he flew it to south africa to and was like what is this and then scientists like freaked out they're like holy shit
0: and it was just in a fish market yeah
2: it was on a table for sale he bought it for you know the equivalent of like five bucks today and was like yeah and that was the only one there there were a bunch of them uh, a few... That was the only one there. There's one on the wall. That's the coelacanth that middle-top fish there on the far right scientific illustrations there. Um, but there there was... As far as I know, I actually don't... I mean, my grandfather's dead, so I, I don't remember the story in detail. I can't ask him any longer. But um, as far as I know, it was the only one on the table. And other people had actually found remnants of them like rotten carcasses and a fin and stuff but nobody really knew and then he found like this whole one that was pretty fresh and that was like a pretty big deal
1: that's crazy yeah (laughs) did you watch uh c-spiracy
2: i have seen it yeah are Mm -hmm. you in it no um i know ali the the producer director of it um i'm not in it i know a bunch of people who are in it paul de gelder and people like that but um no i'm not i'm not in it i have watched it I found it pretty entertaining. I liked it. Yeah. You've been to that event that happens at the end, right? The the, the end with the, the grind where no, they kill the, the whales? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, it's funny, you know, like, uh, what was that show? Whale Wars spent like two years trying to get that. Like they sat that around the Faroe Islands trying to get that event. Couldn't get it.
0: Why? Because they only
2: have it however often. You can only get it when the pilot whales are passing by the island. Right. So, and that, you never know when that's going to be. Right. It's like, it's like saying, let's go get orcas here in Santa Barbara. It's like, you know, you can't go low. <laughs> this might get them one day, but you know, you never know when. Yeah. Anyway. um, I don't know Ali's story. I haven't asked him how he managed to get the grind. We were only there for our typical two week shoot. And the day we landed, there was a grind taking place. And, uh, i remember mitch who's like my right hand man uh he's our director of photography turned to me he's like dude we don't have to do this like this has nothing to do with our story like we're here to you know look for an extinct seabird and i was like what's the point dude like why come all the way here and stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening and like look you can see i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it but like it fucked me up it fucked everybody up i've never seen anything so barbaric like to see the bloodlust that these... And these are nice people. Like, I love the Faroese people. They're wonderful people, super accommodating, super hospitable. But this whole, like, thin veil of cultural tradition and, and murdering these animals, like this crazy bloodlust that people go into and they run down there with fucking pitchforks and machetes and they're just fucking hacking these animals to parts and the whales are crying. It's it's brutal. It was one of the hardest things I've ever seen.
1: What's the purpose? Why do they do it? Just because it's tradition?
2: I mean, for for food. But, oh, it's for food. Yeah. Like, okay. But, you know, the Faroe Islands are one of the wealthiest nations in the world. Like, they have a surplus of income to the point that they pay their citizens because they, like, the opposite of taxes. They're like, here, take money. We have so much. And, um, like I said, the thin veil of cultural tradition is that they used to need that because the Faroe Islands are a stark, bleak bit of islands in the North Atlantic. But now they have the hottest sushi restaurants and more sheep than they do people and cattle and you know like there's no poverty or hunger so it's a tradition that you know should die in my opinion
1: how many whales do you think are killed in that event
2: annually well when we were there uh, i think it was 82 every single animal in the pod was killed wow Wow. yeah mothers calves adults sub-adults everything doesn't that hurt the population of course yeah i mean there's a problem with you know look we're in my office right now right What's the population of turtles in my office? 12. Right? Right there. You look in the tank, you go that many. And when it comes down to the ocean, it's really hard to do that because it's such a big space. So the reason I say all that is with pilot whales, we are data, data deficient, meaning we don't know the answer because they're transient animals that travel you know, thousands and thousands of miles. And it's impossible to know how many there are and, and, and where they all are and, and whether their population is safe or sustainable. But, you know... Speaking anecdotally, it's like they're an apex predator, right? They're a whale at the top of the food chain or very near to the top of the food chain. Um, So you can't afford to take a lot of them out. So when you take out an entire genetic pool, an entire family group like that, that's detrimental to the overall effect. You can't just... So it, it'd be one thing if it was like it was, you know, 200 years ago where the entire Faroese islands got together in their canoes and rowed for 2 days and broke one animal off for the pod and cut it up and divided it. But now they're all out there in their million dollar yachts with sonar and, you know, walkie-talkies and they drive the entire pod into the bay yeah, and kill it every. Fun. It's not the yeah. same thing, you know. It's not it's not the same thing. So yeah, long story short, we don't really know how much damage it does to the pilot whale population, but the odds are it's not doing anything good.
0: Wow, you mentioned you're going to Africa next week?
2: Yeah, what yeah are you I doing there? off on Friday. Um, again, it's like one of those discovery things where I have to tiptoe around everything, but yeah. what I can say is I've got a new show coming up to Discovery Discovery Plus. and um, the premise of this is basically resolving conflicts and solving mysteries. And this one is a big one. So the whole reason I did this Discovery Channel show, is because about three months ago, I was in contact with the Mozambique government. And the Mozambique government said, hey, there is a rogue herd of, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but I'll say it anyway, elephants that is killing people. Like, they escaped from this national park. They've been terrorized by, like, dogs and villagers. And they're running through villages and flattening people and killing crops. We're going to shoot them all. I'm like, well, don't do that. I'll come and get them. Right. So it took a long time to get all the funding and deal with vaccinations and government restrictions and protocol. And, and the government has been very generous in Mozambique and holding off and not killing him. And so, um, yeah, next week, uh, I go and have to go catch a bunch of elephants and move them. Do you need an extra camera guy? <laughs> always dude. Oh no, always. <laughs> We're always shorthanded. <laughs> that was
1: a shot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck.
0: We talked about what you didn't eat before. what, You've eaten scorpions, crickets, snakes, sharks, all of it. Anything like crazy, crazy? Jellyfish is pretty bizarre.
2: Jellyfish is the one that really comes to mind because it was pretty disgusting. Um, it just
0: tasted bad.
2: It's it just tasted like a bowl of rotten fish jello. Like it was just nasty. Oh. Um, let's see, anything really, really weird that I've eaten? I've eaten mole, like you know the little oh yeah ground rodent,
0: little moles, pretty gross.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, I try not to eat things like shark and things like that. They're just terrible for the environment. But, Mm. um, and when I say try not to, like, we really, really don't because they're not often available. Um, But, you know, for us, it's like, food is often secondary. Like, when we did our expedition in the Amazon, like, yeah, we had a bunch of cans of food and, and, you know, bushels of bananas and things like that. But... We were eating piranha every day. They were catching out of the river. Were they good? Oh, yeah. Piranha's great. Dang. I mean, the thing is, day one, a boiled piranha for breakfast is fucking awesome. Day 15, a boiled piranha for breakfast, <laughs> you know, you could really use a yogurt and a cup of coffee. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny.
0: Well, Forrest, thanks so much for giving us the time yeah man dude Appreciate thank
2: it. you guys for coming up and hanging out it's nice to have you up here in Santa Barbara I'm sure it's nice to get out of LA oh my god it was great Yeah, yeah.
0: maybe yeah. we'll put Ilya back in the in cage <laughs> there you go <laughs> what was he boxing
2: oh the, uh, the turkeys the wild yeah, turkeys turkeys
0: were attacking Ilya before yeah, guys it was cool. if you
1: think turkeys are small you're fucking wrong <laughs>
2: yeah they're terrifying they're velociraptors <laughs> cool uh,
0: so check out Forrest's Shark Week show coming out July
2: uh, August this year August yep. cool
0: and then the Discovery show coming out I
2: don't know to be honest, later this year, as soon as we get done filming it, I guess. <laughs> we'll keep you updated,
0: but thanks again. and Oh, and check out your podcast.
2: Yes, that'd be awesome. The Wild Times Podcast. It's on YouTube and Spotify and all those places, and I'll have to have you guys on the, on the show. Yeah, it's a Hell good yeah. name. The Wild it? Times. It's a good name, yeah, Wild yeah, Times. That's, that's fun. It. <laughs> cool, thanks,
0: Forrest. Thanks, guys. See you right. guys. Bye, Lightweights. Out.